clean your side of the street, going from entitlement to empowerment. This is Alger Podcast, Episode 10. Uh, you can find additional information and other podcasts on my website, which is algercoaching.com. That's A-L-G-E-R, algercoaching.com. Leadership excellence requires self-growth. Um, and what, what I mean by that is if you want to be good at what you do, you got to put in some work. Um, in fact, if you don't put in some work to get good at what you do, the people that work for you are, are, are going to suffer because of your lack of growth. So there's a certain uh, moral responsibility that you have as a leader, whether you're a leader you know, at work or church or volunteer or a leader in the house. Um, you got to put in some work or the, or the people that follow you are going to struggle, you know, and sometimes we struggle with certain things that are, that are really hardwired in us. Um, and they re they require a lot of work to get through. So kind of as an example, you know, millennials, they're not the only generation that's, that struggle with entitlement. Uh, it basically started with my generation, generation X common psychology in the late sixties brought it to the, to the, the world. Uh, what happened was there was a study that, that, that studied successful people and they determined that a common thread among successful people was that they had a lot of confidence. So mistakenly, uh, people thought that confidence equaled success rather than confidence being a byproduct of success. They assumed that you needed to, to, to be confident, right. To, to become successful. So these supposed experts encouraged an entire generation to treat their children as special, um, which had an unfortunate side effect. It led, uh, it led those children to grow up with a, a very deep-seated entitlement mindset. And again, this did not start with millennials. It was, it was Generation X, essentially, uh, where it started. But it's gained momentum since, the, since then, and, and seemingly each generation uh, pretty well doubles down um, to try to make their kids feel special. Now, there's some, some real serious problems that, that come with this. We live in an in a era where depression and anxiety exists at a level uh, that just never has before. And it's partly, I think, partly due to people feeling let down on the days that they don't feel special which are most days, because the reality is we aren't special. That's the truth. The, the, we can do special things. We can go feed the homeless. We can volunteer at our church. Uh, we can volunteer at any number of organizations that do good things for people and the environment and animals. I mean, we could do all kinds of wonderful things that give us a feeling of confidence. Um, but the problem is, Every day that we walk out of the house, when we have this entitlement, I need to feel special mentality because of how we were, uh, our society, uh, what our society accepted as good uh, research, caused us to walk out the house every day with the expectation that I should feel special, almost like it's your birthday every single day. You should feel, you know, you should have this feeling of being special. And when we don't have that, when it doesn't come, we feel like something is wrong. Um, 
and the effects that it has on our society is really a great deal of selfishness, uh, a great deal of uh, brokenness, uh, you know, on a lot of different levels. And it derives from, a lot of it derives from this expectation that we have of, uh, uh, that we, that we should feel uh, confident and special at all give at all times instead of uh, instead of doing something that would that would create that so so we're in this cycle where generation after generation now is increasingly doing things to try to uh, make their kids feel this you know this special thing and then people are just seemingly so bought into this and don't most people don't put a uh, um, connect the dots between what we're doing and how these children are growing up with these expectations. And, and, and when, you know, again, you know, we talked in previous uh, podcasts about values and expectations in order to stop this cycle, um, we've got to figure out how to, how to redraw how we see this and how we think about this. Right. So if you're raised, if you were raised up with, you know, the, the whole idea that you should feel special on every given day. How do you undo that? Um, how do we find out how much this has affected us? You know, and and, ra- and rather than starting with with blaming others, um, let's let's just start with ourselves. That's the that's the only thing that we we can control in this. Um, so how do you know if you are projecting entitlement? How do you know if you've got if you're if you're dealing with this right? Uh, how do you know if you have an entitlement mentality? So, and, and here's a little hint at, the, at this point, if you're, if you're generation X or younger, it's probably, it's probably an issue for you. Unfortunately, um, most of us have some measure of, of this, uh, in us at, at this point in time. Um, but specifically here are a few things, there's a few things that you can look up for, up for. And you got to remember, like, let's, let's look at ourselves, not at others. Let's look at ourselves and not at others. Uh, there's a time and a place to look at others and, and categorize that. But, uh, but what we want to do is really take a look at where we're at, who we are and what we can do to affect ourselves and our surroundings. Right? So one of the things is, is, is that we, that we can look out for is we think we're better or more important than others. Like seriously. Your, frankly, your parents probably taught you this when you were a kid and you agreed to this without realizing that that's what happened. And before you say no to this, before you think it's, this is, this is, uh, uh, not affecting you, just think about it for a minute. You might not consciously think, oh, I'm better than this person or that person, but your actions will naturally go that direction. Um, Think about the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do un- unto you. Um, how often do we focus on others the same way that we do ourselves? How often do we look outside of that? And true peace and true confidence comes from what we can do for other people when we have a great purpose in our direction. Um, we can we can work with more passion than if we're just doing something that's just, you know, just totally, uh, selfish, you know, uh, we, when we can bring in other people and we can positively affect other people in their lives, um, 
those are that's something that that uh, that we can gain confidence. Those are the types of things that um, that can give us the confidence that we need to feel the moments that hey man, I did something that's pretty cool. You know, I did something that mattered today. Uh, instead of just, you know, for me, for me, for me, I did something that mattered on a bigger scale than just what's, what's, what is best for me. Um, entitlement causes us to have a double, a double standard for us versus other people, uh, like canceling at the last minute or no showing uh, for, for things. We're not considering, you know, what other, how other people think and feel. Um, I'm an employer and the amount of people that no show, uh, uh, interviews now is staggering. Uh, it's, it's incredible, you know, on the flip side, employers that don't notify, uh, em- after interviews that don't notify employees or not employees, rather, um, interviewees of, uh, that they're not chosen is another double standard. Um, you know, we, often have double standards for ourselves versus other people without even realizing it because we've done it our entire entire lives. We just accept that that's, that is normal. We accept that, um, uh, it without ever even thinking about it. So that's the, that's one of the major points is there's some value in taking a few minutes to, to, to analyze what your, what causes you to, to reach certain conclusions, you know, uh, if you're somebody that, that cancels at the last minute, you're late all the time, you know, show people what you're saying without saying it is that you value your time more than you do other people's. Um, and of course things come up, you know, problems come up, people get, uh, uh, uh have to cancel sometimes. I mean, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about patterns. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, somebody no showing canceling at the last minute, just on a really regular basis. Um, very often, of course, there's many reasons, different reasons for things, but very often it's just somebody who just thinks their time is worth more than other people's time. And that's as deep as it, as it goes. Entitled people don't apologize, tend to not compromise. They don't wait their turn. Um, we see this kind of come out in, in sort of road rage and in, in traffic, you know, especially in large cities. Uh, sometimes that's a struggle for, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, not the, the, the thing is with this is when you're, when you feel entitled and you're not one that's going to apologize, you don't want to compromise, uh, and you make things all about you, the list of people that want to work with you becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. The amount of opportunities that you will miss, that you won't even be aware of, that you don't even know about, could could be pretty big. Just because people don't want to work with you if you if you if you make it about yourself, right? So the positive thing with this is is that it's something that you can you can work on and you can turn around uh, and learn how to move from an entitlement mentality to, you know, to a, a healthier, um, more inclusive way of, of living your life. Uh, manipulation and control. That's another, that's another entitlement thing. You think if we think our, uh, opinions matter more than other people's, um, 
you know, unfortunately, a mindset of entitlement makes you very unhappy. Um, if you, like most people, are in this situation, it is definitely worth the hard work to go through, uh, uh, you know, un- undoing this because of the, you know, a lot of the misery that that can come your direction. Now, this is something that I used to help myself get out of an entitlement mentality. Remember, I'm I'm Generation X. I'm not a millennial, uh, but I have and have struggled with this off and on um, throughout my life. So Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Tipping Point, he he wrote and and really popularized the broken window theory. And the broken window theory is that in a a given neighborhood, if a window is broken and it goes unrepaired, then pretty soon there'll be another window that's broken and goes unrepaired, and then another, and then people stop mowing their lawns, and and and... the, the, the neighborhood begins to degrade. And psychologically, what happens when with that is it sends a signal that nobody's in charge. And then that's when chaos can come. And uh, the broken window theory supports that, that crime follows uh, that, you know, follows after that because nobody uh, appears to be in charge, right? And so if I live in the neighborhood that this is happening all around me, I have, I would be extremely frustrated, right, at all of my neighbors. And I'm looking at all my neighbors and I'm watching their, their yards degrade, right? Now, here's, here's an interesting thing is, is that the broken window theory works the opposite as well. So if, I, if I'm watching my neighborhood go downhill, um, I can choose to allow my home and my surroundings to go downhill with it, right? Or I can choose to clean my side of the street. I can choose to focus on the things I'm in control of. I can choose to focus on keeping my property looking tidy and nice and sending a signal that somebody's in charge here. And often that spreads. Often people uh, do the same thing with their, with, uh, you know, with their homes and you can affect other people by holding yourself accountable. Now, keep in mind, I have, I've got choices. I can, I can sit around and be angry and frustrated and blame my neighbors and, and then just go forget it. Uh, there's no point in mowing my lawn. There's no point in, in maintaining my house. Everything just looks, you know, I can do that. And that is often where we get stuck today is focusing on other people rather than where we're at. And you might say, oh, you don't, you don't understand my situation. Hey, listen, there's almost always something we can focus on that we're in control of. So, so it's, you know, to be clear, when we say entitled, what we specifically mean is a feeling that we should receive special treatment. And then we, and then that leads to the feelings of misery when we aren't treated as if we're special. Right. And then we focus on what's wrong with other people as opposed to what we can, we can be in control of. Right. So, you know, saying it's your fault is a position of weakness, right? Saying it's my neighbor's fault and doing nothing about it, I'm giving away power. I'm giving away what I'm in control of. And I'm setting the tone for my own uh, position of mental weakness. Um, however, finding what I am in control of is a position of power. 
It's something that you can be in charge of is your, your, your own thoughts, your own minds, right? A victim mentality is a mentality of weakness. A victim mentality is a meta- mentality of weakness. But if you look for the things that you're in control of, then you're in a position of, of strength. You're in a position of, okay, I might not be in control of 90% of what's going on, but there's 10% of this situation that I can control. And there's one thing that you can always be in control of, and that's your own thoughts and your own emotions. Now, here's one, an example for, for something that I, I struggled with and, and, and went through that took a while for me to overcome. Poker is a game that even the best players in the entire world, the greatest players in the world, they're still going to lose sometimes. Um, and they're going to lose on somewhat regular basis, right? So this isn't a poker podcast, but I do like to, to talk about my experiences because, because what I learned from doing deep study with poker is there's so many similarities to poker and business and life, right? Without getting too much into the weeds of, of poker, uh, just understand that most winning players, they're going to win about two sessions and they're going to lose one. Something like that, right? We don't need to get into the, you know, the deep math to, to go through that. This is important to understand because weak players will play stronger players because of this. And they'll often mistake their own abilities because they can occasionally win when they're playing bad. And then they can also blame, blame other people, blame luck when they're playing bad and lose. So it, it can be very confusing, right? Um, so without realizing it, when I would play weak, play, weaker players than me and lose, I would get upset. I would get mad. So, uh, and this, this, I remember I would, I would think, uh, I put in so much time and so much effort into studying this game and playing this game and talking about the, you know, all the different nuances of it. Um, I would, I would leave really, really upset, which, you know, if you're not a poker player, that might make perfect sense to you. But what, what, but in reality, what I was, what I was mad at was math. What I was mad at was that I thought I should get special treatment because I should be above the math that goes along with this game. I'm going to lose to, to players that are not as good as me. And guess what? The players that are better than me, they're going to lose to me too sometimes. That's what makes the game go. But without realizing it consciously, I felt like I should never lose against inferior players. I had to work through this. I had to really work hard on this because it got to a point where the losses in poker were so agonizing to me that they that the losses weren't didn't feel better than the wins. Because the very thing that made poker work, again, bad players playing against better players, I felt entitled to not be a part of. And when I was a part of it, I was just, I was upset. And it, it, again, it, it, it became such a problem for me that I thought about, about quitting poker. Now, I was fortunate enough to stumble across some, some poker psychology books that actually addressed this and helped me to realize and, you know, it sounds silly in hindsight, 
once I had the information to realize that what I was doing um, made no sense. I was uh, I was literally upset uh, uh, over probabilities. I was literally upset over math. I was literally upset that I'm supposed to lose when I when I didn't. And so I worked and worked and worked, and what I landed on was something that's counterintuitive, and that is to focus on how I played that session as opposed to the results, okay? Because there's two two sides of this. If I played bad and I won, then I can reinforce playing bad. If I played great and I, and I lost and I'm angry, then I can reinforce that I wasn't playing. I can, I can make myself feel like I wasn't playing good. So you have to exercise um, a lot of discipline in, in your thoughts on this when you're, when you lose money and you're, and you're going through this. Otherwise you get upset and you actually lose more money because you start playing even worse because you're upset. Right. Um, You know, a simple thing is, is if the best starting hand in Texas Hold'em is of course two aces. Um, if I can get all my money in the middle while I've got two aces and I can get up against one other opponent, I'm going to win 85% of the time. That's great. You want, if you got aces, you want all your money in the middle of the pot every single time that you got aces because 85, if I, if I repeat that over and over and over again for the rest of my life, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to financially, I'm going to, I'm going to make a ton of money playing poker. Um, but that also means I'm going to lose 15% of the time. So 15% of the time, I think I played bad. Then I'm, then I'm reinforcing the negative. Um, all I can do is focus on what I'm in charge of. All I can do is focus on what I'm in control of. And what I'm in control of is getting my money in the middle. I did the right thing. That's it. The rest of it is just up to the probabilities. And I know in the long run, I'll make money doing that, right? And so the same thing applies to life going back to, you know, cleaning your side of the street in every situation there, you can find things that you're in control of, even if it's just your mind, there's, there's, uh, a lot of different reports about, uh, prisoners of war where they were treated very, very poorly, given just barely enough food to survive. Uh, often, you know, maggot infested food, little bits of water put in, you know, tiny little, uh, cells, you know, for them to, to live in. They had, you know, little or little or no clothes, no freedom, no ability to speak up, no ability to, uh, act in any way that they, that was theirs and their own. But the ones that survived understood that their captors can take a lot of things away from them, but they cannot take away their thoughts and their mind. They can be in control of what they think, how they think. They can, they can decide to feel hope. They can decide to feel uh, like they want to look to the future and what's going to happen when they get out. They can decide those things, and those are the ones that survive those types of awful and horrible things that, that, uh, unspeakable things because they chose to take the road of empowerment as opposed to victimhood, which, which is just, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, 
this, while uh, it came from a good place, you know, we had people that 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 really want their children, you know, to to grow up and be successful and be confident and have all these things, ends up doing the exact opposite. It comes from a good place. It comes from uh, the so-called experts of the time, and so it's it's not our parents' fault that they taught us this because they were following what everybody thought and believed. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that very often we have, uh, you know, the, the, or rather, rather very often in our society, we have these, uh, feelings of, of entitlement that we still have to deal with. So again, we can sit there and be upset with, um, you know, the psychologists of the time from the sixties, we can be upset with our parents or their parents or whatever. We could, we could choose to spend all of our time doing that, which of course is just simply going to lead to more feelings of, um, giving away power, more feelings of victimhood, more feelings of entitlement, or we can choose to clean our side of the street and look at the things that we are in charge of. It's up to you. You get to choose this. So to kind of, kind of recap, keep in mind each generation since Generation X has bought into that we want our kids to feel special, to to be special. Our society, our teachers, our you know, our parents, you know, that this is something that that has a lot of momentum to it. Uh, and I'm hoping that more and more people will become aware of you know this the the so-called the sort of side effects, the things that come as a result of that, right? If you as a leader have feelings of entitlement uh, and act out on these things, the people that work for you are going to pay the price of that because you're going to, you're going to make leadership. You're going to make your organization about you. And the fundamental purpose of a leader is to make the people around them better. That's your job. Again, whether you, whether you uh, are uh, in a leadership role at work or at a volunteer place at church, or you're a, a parent leader at, at home, um, your job is to make the people around you better. If you make it about you, intentional or not, you're, you're going to struggle making the people around you better. So it's worth the hard work to walk through this and, and just check yourself. It's worth the hard work to, um, spend some time analyzing your motives it's worth the hard work to ask questions, maybe even interview people uh, that work for you if it's applicable and, and you come up with some good open-ended questions to find out how you're affecting uh, other, other people. Um, it's worth the hard work to, to, to be aware of this and start to undo uh, where you're at and where, where your mindset is. So, hey, I just want to say thank you for listening to Alger podcast. You can get more information on Alger Coaching and future podcasts at algercoaching.com. That's A-L-G-E-R, algercoaching.com, where among other things, I offer uh, a six-week course followed up with optional weekly, twice-monthly, or monthly services all tailored to fit your needs. 